Well, Pastor Sheldon is going to continue the series in God's Good News. And the good news is right now, he's actually all across the way with our little builders, two to five-year-olds, because they're finishing their series on creation. And so he's going to be sharing with them how God has uniquely and individually created each one of us. And he's got a lovely model with him today. So would you check out the screens with me? And let's say good morning to Pastor Sheldon and our kids. Good morning. Well, good morning, everybody. Uh, kids, can we say good morning to everybody in there? We're live right now. So can we say good morning? One, two, three. Good morning. So this morning, we're actually going to be doing a couple things to get you started. And the kids are learning all about God's creation and how God created them as individuals, that they are beautifully and wonderfully made. So ask your children what they learned this morning. This is in our little builders, our two through five-year-olds, and uh, they're going to have a good time today. They look well-rested and well-behaved. Look at your kids. They're beautiful. Wave to the camera, everybody. Say, hello, good morning. See, and if you see your child, you're probably saying, please behave, please behave. They're doing a great job. But uh, here with me also is Auntie Heidi. So Auntie Heidi is going to help. And so they asked me to do my interpretation of uh, Auntie Heidi, of what she looks like. So these, these kids, your children, are going to be creating uh, like a self-portrait with some crafts. So I'm going to start it off and... Uh, this is my interpretation of Auntie Heidi. So I'm just starting with just some features. And God says that he created you wonderful. That you're a wonderful work of God. And so, well, hopefully it comes out okay. Because if it doesn't come out okay, then Auntie Heidi is going to let me know that it didn't come out okay. Okay, so I'm trying my best under the time given, but... Okay, got to make her look nice. So this is, yeah, she looks mad right now, but she's not. <laughs> I love these kids. They're so honest. So whenever you create something, I have to make her look happy because the kid says she looked mad. So maybe, whoa, she looks kind of, she needs Jesus. Let me, I don't know how to shape eyebrows. I'm not, okay, that's kind of weird. So, when you draw yourself, don't make yourself look mad. Make yourself look happy. happy. Okay, so Auntie Heidi has her hair pulled back a little bit. So, we'll just draw it like that. She has uh, earrings that I don't know where she got from, but it's a, it's a nice earring. And, oh, we have to give her eyelashes, right? Because that makes... Or look, that's kind of a weird eyelash. So give her, that's so awesome. yeah, and then her hair. But she has like a ponytail. So let's put a ponytail on. So now when you create yours, then you're gonna do it how you feel. You're gonna make it, and um, hopefully you can see that. There's Auntie Heidi's hair. Black. Black. Okay. So you, you guys in the sanctuary, you can play along too. What color is Auntie Heidi hair? Black. Okay, good job. What's that? Yes. Oh, her necklace. But you know what? Auntie Heidi likes pearls. So I'm going to put pearls. She likes pearls. So that's where it is. And cheekbone there. Okay, that's... 
Okay, that's okay. What about? Oh, we need to put some eyeliner there. Okay, what about lipstick? What color is Auntie Heidi's lipstick? It's kind of like a pink, yeah. So let's put pink. Yeah. We have to put like a liner too because sometimes they wear liners. No worry, girls. You guys can grow up learning about this later in life when you're 30 and you can start dating about that age. Okay, what color are Auntie Heidi's eyes? Brown. Good job. It's brown. Okay. Ooh. Wow, sassy it is picture. Okay, what about her skin tone? It's kind of like... Shuey. Shuey. What is your name? What's his name? Trip. Okay, good job, Trip. So, here we go. Right now, your parents are so proud of you because you're participating. So, I'll just put some flesh tone in there. I'll do my best. So, that's the best that I got for you this morning. <laughs> it's kind of weird, I know. But you guys will do a great job. So, thank you for allowing us to be here. Just letting you know, it's hot in here. So, we got to get you guys some air conditioning. Right, kids? Yeah. Yes, says the parents and the teachers. But uh, we're going to be talking about God's grace today and, and continuing in our series, God's good news. And the good news is you guys are investing in this generation so that they can know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. How many of you guys love Jesus? Raise your hand and tell your parents good morning and we'll see you soon. Yay, let's give ourselves a hand. Pastor Marsha, back to you. Well, as Pastor Sheldon said, he is going to continue on in the series and he'll be talking about God's grace. Now, isn't it true that we kind of have this picture of grace, like I can do what I like because, you know, I'm under grace. So this past Monday, my husband and I went to Kona, but on the way to Kona, we stopped in Waimea, which is about a 20-minute drive. And then we went to Kona, and I reached in to grab my bag, and guess what? My bag was in Waimea because I trust my husband. I'm under his grace that it's okay. We'll make it work. And it actually did. He had a friend in Waimea, and he picked up the bag for us. We drove back. He wasn't a, my husband was in a great mood. It all worked out. But that's how we treat grace sometimes. I can do this. It's okay. Somebody's got it covered. God's got it covered. I'm under God's grace. Well, we're going to learn today what grace truly is. So when Pastor Sheldon returns, he will speak on that. And I also want to remind you of our movie night this coming Wednesday. Invite your friends. Because actually the point of the movie is not the movie. It's how do we live as God's people here on earth by understanding who we are in heaven. So would you welcome Pastor Sheldon? Good morning. Thank you, Pastor Marsha. Good job. Your kids are awesome. They're just the, simply the best. So if you would take out your notes with me, you're given a bulletin. We're going to be talking about God's grace. I'm so thankful for God's grace. And if you were on that side with the kids, first of all, it's super hot. But they're having super fun. So they're going to be uh, enjoying themselves. So don't forget to ask them about what they did today. But as we talk about God's grace, there are a couple of things that come to our mind when we think about God's grace. One of them is that we're covered by God's grace for our sin. That we've done things that are wrong, God covers us with grace, so we're taken care of. The second thing is salvation. That, okay, God's grace is over us, so now we can find our way to heaven because God gave us grace. The problem with that is we only understand half of the grace of God if we stay there. And for many of us, we don't understand the fullness of God's grace because we stick with or we're comfortable with just staying under the grace of God for the covering of our sin and salvation. But there's so much more to God's grace that we're going to learn about today. 
There's a man by the name of Paul the Apostle who came into the picture when Jesus died on the cross and resurrected. And Paul the Apostle came in after that. And Paul was one who did things that weren't pleasing to God. In fact, he was going around grabbing Christians and throwing them in prison because they were believing in Jesus Christ. And Paul was one who was trying to follow, or he was one who was following the laws of God, but not believing in Jesus Christ. So he was doing the things of God, but not with the heart of God. So he was persecuting the church and throwing Christians in prison. Even had one, uh, a couple martyrs uh, or people stoned to death to die because of their belief of Jesus Christ. And so Paul now meets Jesus Christ on the way uh, to go get some Christians. And it was on the road to Damascus that he came into an encounter with Jesus Christ. And Jesus told him, Paul, why are you persecuting me? And so Jesus says, you have a new assignment. No longer will you be doing this. You are now going to be my chosen instrument. So Paul births many churches. And that's where you get Galatians and Ephesians. It's all the churches that he's been birthing. And these are letters that he writes to these churches. Where there's a young man by the name of Timothy that he raises up to take care of different churches. He also raises up another man that kind of is in the shadows of Timothy because we don't hear about him much, and his name is Titus. Now, Titus is one that was used by Paul to help with the different churches. Uh, he, he did many tasks for Paul, but he also used t- Titus to bring up more people. And as Titus was going from church to church, he was, he was preaching the good news, as well as doing the works of the kingdom of God. Well, Paul now writes this letter to Titus, and he says to Titus a couple things that he needs to remember. And he's talking about God's grace, and it's in your notes. Titus 2, verses 11 through 14. And Paul writes this, For God has revealed His grace for the salvation of the whole human race. Now, Titus was not one who grew up as... One that was brought up under God, where we get the nation of Israel. And so everyone else who was not of Israel or of Jewish descent, God's chosen people, they were called Gentiles. Titus was one of them. So Paul tells Titus, listen, God came for everyone, the entire human race. God's grace is for every single person. It's not to this this one group and that one group or because this group of people do great things. It's for the whole human race. Then he continues, that grace instructs us to give up ungodly living and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright and godly lives in this world as we wait for the blessed day we hope for when the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ will appear. He gave Himself for us to rescue us from all wickedness and to make us a pure people who belong to Him alone and are eager to do good. Sometimes we're not eager to do good. When someone does something to us, we're angry at someone else. We're not eager to do good. We're eager to do something bad. We're eager to say something negative. Someone cuts us off while we're driving. We're eager to say something. We're eager to speed around them, to beep our horn. We're eager to do negative things. When your wife says something to you or your husband says something to you and you get angry, you're not eager to do good. No one's eager to do good when something bad happens. But Paul says to Titus, listen, God's grace 
When you understand the power of His grace, you will be eager to do good. Because it's not under your power, it's under the power of God's grace. And what Paul is trying to give to Titus is more than just the covering of sin or salvation. He's letting Titus know, you have to let everyone know that the grace of God is more than just that. It's the power and presence of the fullness of Jesus Christ. And that's what we want to look at. After some time in China, our founder of Foursquare, Amy Simple McPherson, found her way back to New York. And she wanted to preach the good news to everyone. So she got this one car in 1912 and she called it the gospel car. On one side, she would write, Jesus is coming soon, get ready. On the other side, she would write, where will you spend eternity? And so as she's going around the East Coast side with this car, that's what she was trying to let the people know. That there is a place that we're going to end up, it's in eternity, but where will you spend it? Is it going to be with God or not with God? And Jesus is coming soon, so get ready. And she knew and and understood the grace of God. That's why she did that. That's why we're here today as a four-square movement in what God is doing around the world. Because this one woman understood the power of God's grace, that it wasn't just about the covering of sin or salvation. There was power that came with it. Imagine if you and I had to earn gifts. If you and I had to earn our birthday gift. Because grace is not earned. Grace is a free gift. Imagine if we had to earn grace. Imagine if on your anniversary, women, on your anniversary, that you were ready for your present, and then your husband said, ah, no, you don't deserve, you don't deserve a gift, because you did this wrong, you did that wrong, you said this last week, February 12th, you said this, Last week, Monday, you did this. You know what you do? Oh, really? Well, this is what you did. There's your whole list. And so you'd go back and forth on what you did wrong if we were to earn our gift. Imagine, kids, on your birthday, you'd have to earn your gift. That if you wanted something good, like if you wanted, a, I don't know, a, a PS4 or an Xbox or, or an iPod or, or I don't know what else, a bike, that you had to earn it. That you had to behave in a certain way so that you earn your gifts. If we had to do that, it wouldn't be called gifts. It would be called work. Because we earn our paycheck. So when God says, I'm giving you a free gift called grace, we can't earn that. How good can we get to earn God's grace? How good can we be to say, God, I deserve your grace? There's no, there's no point for us To cross over to say, I'm good enough for your grace. God says, I'm giving you grace whether or not you deserve it. That's what His grace is all about. If you're taking notes, you can write this in our first point to understand that grace cannot be earned. It is a gift. It is God's free gift that remits the punishment of our sins forever. It's gone. However, many of us do not understand that there is power in God's grace. Because we stick to the side of His grace taking care of our sin. Or that we're covered under His grace. And Paul knew that his his weakness was something that many people would look at as a fault in him. But Paul also knew that, that his weakness as well as how quickly he could become prideful was something to be considered, to be corrected. 
And he himself felt the Lord humble him when he faced situations that were beyond his ability or his natural ability to handle certain things. And Paul called it the thorn in his side. If you ever read that, he called it the thorn in his side that God humbled him through different situations. And that thorn in his side, he asked the Lord over and over to remove that affliction. And the Lord responded in this way in 2 Corinthians 12, 9. The Lord said to him, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. And Paul says, Therefore I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness, about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. Now that's, that's the very words that came from Jesus Christ, that my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made in your weakness. He's letting Paul know that your strongest point in your life is worse than your weakest point with me. That the strongest point in your life without me, and you trying to do this on your own, is weaker than your weakest point in life with me. That it's when you're at your weakest that I'm going to be strong in you. That's the power of my grace. It's not just about sin or about the covering of sin or salvation. There's a power that comes with it that my grace, as the Lord says, is optimum when you face situations that are, that are beyond your ability to handle. He says, you're going to need my power. God's grace cannot be earned. It's something that is given to us. And it's only through faith in Jesus Christ for what he did on the cross. And if we don't understand that, then we're going to miss the power of God's grace. Oh, we'll still take on the grace side of forgiveness of sins and salvation. But we miss the power of his grace. That the power that he gives to us is now able to overcome the things that we cannot do in our natural and our own abilities. We try to do good works to bring ourselves into a right standing with God. We try to do good things or a good deed to say, well, I did my good deed for the day, so now good things should come back. God is saying, how good do you need to be in order to say, now good should come back to me? And it's okay to be good. But what is the motive behind it? If our motive is to do good, to get something back, that's the wrong motive. God says, when my grace is in you, and you understand the fullness of the power of my grace, you will be eager to do good. It won't be a chore. It won't be out of hidden motives. But it will be something out of my power in grace. See, this salvation can only be obtained by our faith in Jesus Christ. And so it is with the grace of God, the empowerment of God through the fullness of Jesus Christ. That can only be given to us through faith in Jesus Christ. It's not out of our works. We can't work to obtain it. Sometimes we try to do good Christian things to get. And God says, you're missing it. That's not the power. You're trying to do it on your own. And Paul had to address this. He had to reprimand the Galatian church and he, in, in this kind of way of thinking. And he says this in Galatians 5.4. He says, I, sus- I suspect you would never intend this, but this is what happens. When you attempt to live by your own religious plans and projects, you are cut off from Christ. And then he says this, you fall out of God's grace. And thinking, wait a minute, I can actually fall out of God's grace? I thought God's grace was for everyone. But what Paul is talking about is the power and the fullness of Jesus Christ. Not just the grace side of forgiveness of sin. 
He's saying there's, there's a power in it. If you're trying to do things on your own, you miss out on the full extent of the power of God's grace. You cannot earn it. In 2009, a survey was taken across America with thousands of Christians and different denominations, different church attenders from all kinds of denominations. And, and the survey asked to give three or more definitions of the grace of God. And an overwhelmingly majority of people said, number one, the grace of God is all about salvation. The second thing they said, oh, the grace of God is all about forgiveness of sins. And then the grace of God is an unmerited gift. That we don't earn grace. Now, these are all true, and it gives us salvation. It is an unmerited gift. Yes, there is salvation in it. But if we only stick to that, we miss out on the full extent of the power of God's grace. And this survey was taken to see how many people believe that there is power in God's grace. And only 1.9% of Christians now. 1.9% of Christians believe that there is power in God's grace. Because we're on the receiving side. We say, oh no, salvation and forgiveness of my sins, I'll live with that. And God is saying, you're missing the entire point. There is power in my grace. Power so that you can do certain things that you're not able to do on your own. 1.9% of believers. See, God defines grace as empowerment. Not just forgiveness of sins and salvation. The survey also revealed that in general, U.S. Christians know it is by the grace of God that our sins have been eradicated. Yet only a small percentage truly understand that God's grace is more than just covering our sins and saving saving us. It is His power. Here's the second thing that we got to learn, that God's grace empowers me. We got to come to that realization that God's grace empowers me because it's more than just salvation and forgiveness of our sins. So the question becomes, why do I need to be empowered? What is that for? Why, why do I need to be empowered? Empowered for what? Now, it may sound weird, but God gives us a certain kind of empowerment for a reason. Uh, sometimes I'll go jogging and I'll run down our street. And where I live, there are a lot of dogs. And a lot of them aren't tied up. It's another issue. And so some of them will come out and chase me. And most of them are small little dogs. You know, like chihuahuas and I don't know the other kinds of breeds. But they're small little dogs. And we call them noisemakers, ankle biters. And so they'll come up. Rah, 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 rah. And I'm running. I'm thinking, oh, come on, man. You're throwing off my groove. So as I'm running, uh, a couple of times, actually only one time, I actually had to nudge one. Nicely. As I'm running. They didn't cry or anything. I just nudged them to the side. I can do that because I'm bigger than that little dog. Sometimes I'll turn around and I'll, I'll do a little step. And the dogs will, rah, 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 and they'll run away. They'll be afraid. I can do that because I'm a lot bigger than those dogs. But if I was chased by a grizzly bear... There's no way I can just nudge a grizzly bear to the side. There's no way I can just turn on and, ah, and do that to the grizzly bear. The grizzly bear will be, ah, and he's done. I'm done. I can do that because I'm bigger. I can't do that because the bear is bigger. The question is this. Are you a bear in this world or are you a chihuahua in this world? Are you someone who lets things overtake you? And you get scared over certain things and you run away from the enemy because you're like a little chihuahua? Or do you understand the power of God's grace and you're a bear in this world? That you don't let anything take you down. That you understand the power of God that He's given to us 
to overcome the circumstances that come our way because without God's grace, we don't have anything in us to overcome what is in this world. We need God's grace. Are you a bear? Are you a chihuahua? A noisemaker who bite ankles? Are you a bear who says, no, the power of God is in me. See, we could take over the bear if you had like a shotgun. But God says, I created you in such a way to have the fullness of my power so that you could rule over things in the world. In Romans 5.17, he says, All who receive God's abundant grace and are freely put right with Him will rule in life through Christ. And that rule that he's talking about is like a kingship. It's like the, the power and authority that a king would have over his kingdom. And it's not, it's not about that oh, I, I can do certain things and I have power to condemn people and I have, I have the power to say what you're doing is wrong and you're, you're not living according to the ways of God and, and you know, I know better than you. It's not about that. He's saying, no, 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 you're missing it. It's the fullness of the presence of the power of Jesus Christ. That you're living for Him. That there's a power that comes with it. That when these things in the world try to rule you, you say, no, no. I am giving God's grace so I can rule over it. When the worst circumstance comes your way, you're able to rule over it. When an illness comes into your life, you're saying, no, I'm able to rule over it. You may not be healed, but it may never take over your life. Many people will find that they're not going to be healed. But they also find that whatever it is, is not ruling over them. They have ruled over it. Which is the greatest healing. The rule that God gives to us is so much more than just an authoritative power. It's the fullness of the presence and power of Jesus Christ. He says you can rule over these things. See, life on earth is not to rule us. It is for us to rule over it. Now, why would we focus on the things that are trying to overpower us rather than the one who gives us power over it? Because many of us do that. There are forces in this world that don't want us to finish well. And how do we know we have the power to defeat it? How do we know that we can do this? Well, because God said so. He says in His Word that you're able, by my grace, to rule over it. That no longer can these things rule over you. Even as bad as the economy can get, even as bad as our families can get, He says, I've given you grace it's my full power that you can use to overcome it. And even in our world, when the economy goes bad, how God created us, we're creative. We're intuitive. We have, we have gifts and talents of creativity, ingenuity. That sometimes in our world, things may go bad, but it brings about greater ideas because what has not been working, we come up with a better, a better solution. So even when times go bad, when we rely on God's grace, the fullness of God's power, then we rise up as believers to become the very best that God made us to be. If you're a Christian, you're supposed to be the top at your company. You should be the top in your class. As a Christian, you should be operating under the fullness of the power of the presence of God through His grace. Therefore, we're supposed to be not better than the world, but better for Christ in the world. We should be at the top of the game. If wherever you work at... You blend in with everyone else. As a Christian, you don't understand the fullness of the power and presence of Jesus Christ. 
Because you're supposed to stand out among everybody else, not in a prideful way, but under the fullness of the presence of the power of God. There's grace that comes with that. But if we don't understand it, we'll blend in with everyone else and we'll live a mediocre life. And what's sad about that is we'll be okay with it because we fall under God's grace to say he covers my sin and I'm saved. God says you're missing the whole entire point to my grace. It's to empower you to rule over it, not have that rule over you. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, it says, For it is by God's grace that you have been saved through faith. It is not the result of your own efforts, but God's gift, so that no one can boast about it. See, grace is marked always by God's enabling work within us to overcome our helplessness. That's the grace of God. Which brings us to our last point, number three, that grace allows me to go beyond my natural abilities. Imagine that. That the power of God's grace allows us to go way beyond our natural abilities. When God first introduces grace in the New Testament, in the Bible, when He first introduces grace, He doesn't introduce grace as the covering of our sin or salvation. He introduces it like this in John 1.16. And He says, Out of His, His fullness, we have all received grace in place of grace already given. In other words, John is actually stating that God is giving us the richest abundance of grace. Grace upon grace. The overflow of what grace does. The overflow of His power. And what it actually does is that it gives us the fullness of Jesus Christ Himself. Let's just say scientifically. We are able to take on the abilities of other people. That we can take on their abilities. Let's just say you're an average sports athlete in basketball, but then all of a sudden, scientifically, you could get the ability of LeBron James. All of a sudden, oh, you're tearing it up at Panaeva. You're different now. Why? Because the ability that has been given to you is the fullness, not of you, but of LeBron James. Let's just say you've been given a musicianship of playing ukulele like Jake Shimabukuro. That you were just an ordinary player, but now you have a talent of someone else. What if you were given a gift, a singing ability, like the very best? That you're just an ordinary singer, but now you have the ability of someone else. What if as a tennis player, now you have the gifting, the abilities of Serena Williams or Roger Federer? And now you had that ability. You'd be different. You wouldn't be the same. You would challenge everybody. You would say, I challenge you. I take you on. Oh, I remember you last week. I take you on this week. It would be different. Your life would change. If you're just an average golf player and you, you, you shot a certain amount, but, but you wanted to get better and you had the abilities of the greats, of an Arnold Palmer or now a Tiger Woods, or, or you had the, the ability of a... Someone who won championship after championship, you'd be a totally different player. You'd be a totally different person. Let's just say you're a teacher and your, your creativity is not all there right now and you're, you're in a slump and you're trying to think of new ways. But all of a sudden you're given the creativity of like a Bill Gates or a Steve Jobs or, an, or a Thomas Edison or Benjamin Franklin. Everything would change because it's not your ability anymore, it's someone else's. As you can see, we have been given 
the complete fullness of the ability of Jesus Christ. That's what God is saying. He's saying, no longer do you live in this kind of way. You now live under my grace, under the the power of my grace, that you have the fullness of Christ Jesus. It's in you. God doesn't introduce grace as a free gift or remittance of sin. He introduces it as the empowerment of the fullness of Christ Jesus. Let's just say... There's a, a group of people in the middle of nowhere that's in this desert area and they, their tribe has been there for years. And they have to travel 30, 60, 80 miles to get supplies. And then all of a sudden, one day we gave them a gift, a truck, a Ford truck or a Chevy truck. You decide. It's your gift to them. But in this truck, you, you gave them this gift and you said... You have everything you need in this truck to get your supplies. In fact, there's air conditioning in this truck. Really? Yes. So when it's at the hottest moment of the day, you can dump, jump in this truck and then turn on the ignition. And then the air conditioning will cool you down. It can be 120 degrees outside. You jump in here and turn on the AC. It'll be a cool 72 degrees. Really? Yeah. Yeah. At nighttime, when it's freezing cold, you can jump in here and it'll be 30 degrees outside. You can turn on the heater and it'll be a nice 70 degrees. Really? Yes, absolutely. Oh, by the way, and this whole collection of movies, they're all in there. All you have to do is play it on this screen and you can watch as much movies as you want because it's all on file. All the songs you want, you can listen to because there's XM radio. You can tune into any station around the world. Really? Yes. Absolutely. This truck has it all. We leave them. Come back six months later. Truck, same spot. Odometer, never changed. And we come back to the tribe and say, Hey, so how's the truck? Oh, the AC is awesome. We love it. Yeah, at nighttime when we're freezing cold, we all jump in as a family and we watch movies. We love it. We love this truck so much, we sang songs about this truck. It's the best truck in the world. And we just sing songs to this truck. We clean the truck. We make it really nice. Yeah, but I noticed that the odometer has not changed. Did you guys even use it to get your supplies? What do you mean, use it to get your supplies? Yeah. Did you not drive the truck? What is that? You didn't tell us we could drive it. So all this time you let this truck sit. Yeah, yeah, but we used everything else. And it's almost like it would be on us us, to not tell them that it has the fullness of transportation. The primary reason why we gave them that truck is to transport them from one place to another. But all they took on and all they were able to accept and all they were able to use and all they were able to feel was the accessories of the truck. The fullness and the power of God's grace. The primary reason for God's grace is to empower us with the fullness of Jesus Christ. That's the primary purpose of God's grace. But all we've done for many of us is enjoy the accessories of God's grace over sin and salvation. And we go on living the same lifestyle day after day because we're okay with the accessories. And God says, you missed the primary purpose of why I've given you the power of my grace. Luke 2.40 It says this, And the child, speaking of Jesus, 
grew and became strong in spirit, filled with wisdom. And here it is. And the grace of God was upon him. Wait, how can that be? I thought grace was to save us from sin and to get us to heaven. If that were the case, then Jesus would not need the grace of God. If the only reason why God gave us grace was for sin and to get us to heaven, why would Jesus need grace? Why would God say that the grace is on him? You know why God gave Jesus grace? Because it's power. Jesus needed the power to do what he was not able to do on his own ability as a human being. God says, my grace is upon you, therefore you have the full power of my presence. Now you can go to the cross, now you can die for the sins of the world, now you can resurrect from the grave because you fall under my grace, the empowerment, the fullness of my grace, not just the covering of sin or getting to heaven. Jesus accepted that, and he walked in the power of God's grace. But what happens if we... If we try to live a godly life in our own power, you know what happens? If we just try to live by God's grace under our own power, we become hypocritical people. We become people who tell other people one thing, but living another lifestyle. We say, oh yeah, God does this, God, God's word says this, but we tend to live another lifestyle. And God says, you're missing my grace, you're trying to do it all on your own. Yeah, 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 but I fall under your grace, absolutely, but you're missing the primary purpose of my grace. It is to have the fullness of my power. So we view living like Jesus as a nice goal, but in reality, never able to live like Jesus. Because we don't understand the fullness of the power of the grace of God. We just live under the grace that says, I'm forgiven of my sins, so I can do whatever I want, and it's a license for me to live however I want. And God says, you're missing the primary purpose of the power of my grace. And what's sad is many of us are okay with living beneath the grace of God in all its fullness. And God says, boy, you're missing the bigger picture because we're not willing to give up an ungodly lifestyle. We're saying to God, I don't need your grace because I can't lose this grace. Never going to lose the grace of God that says you're forgiven of your sins. We're never going to lose the grace of God that says uh, that you, you, you have salvation. It's a free gift. We're never going to lose that. That grace, is, that, that grace is freely given to us. But the fullness of the power of God's fullness in grace, we can miss that. And he says it in Second uh, Peter 1 verse 2. And Peter knew about God's grace and he says, May God... Give you more and more grace and peace as you grow in your knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. By His divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. We have received all of this by coming to know Him, the One who called us to Himself by means of His marvelous glory and excellence. And because of His glory and excellence, He has given us great and precious promises. These are the promises that enable you to share His divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. So our own human desires would cause us to miss out on the fullness of God's grace. God's grace gives us the fullness of the characteristics of Jesus Christ. Because many of us would say, well, I know I'm not living like I should, but I'm covered by the grace of God. I know that I can do whatever I desire because my salvation is not based on performance, but on, on, on what Jesus did for me. I'm covered by grace. So now there's no conviction to live a godly life. 
And yes, it's true, we're not going to lose the salvation side of God's grace. Because salvation is given freely, we can't earn it. But we waste His grace in all of its fullness when we just say, I'll just take the first half of your grace. 2 Corinthians 6, one it says, In our work together with God, then we beg you. This is Paul speaking. He says, I beg you, who have received God's grace, not to let it be wasted. See, the good news is that Jesus not only paid the price to free us from the penalty of our sin, but he also saved us from the power of sin. That it's no longer going to rule over us, but us to rule over it. That's why we can't, we can't get away from the things we do over and over because we don't, ex- we don't understand the fullness of God's grace and we don't operate in that power. We just stay on the one side to say, I'm covered by God's grace for sin and I'm covered by His grace for salvation. And God says, my primary purpose was the fullness of my grace and everything that Jesus has done. That's the power that God wants to give to us. And He says, don't waste that. He says, it's still in you. The grace of God is still in you. The power of God is still in you. Don't let it go to waste. It's still there. You you get your faith in Christ to the place where you say now, I'm not going to let anything rule over me. I'm not going to let so-and-so treat me that way anymore. I'm not going to let these things happen to me. Yes, my bills don't look that great. Yes, the economic system that I'm in right now doesn't look that great. But Lord, you have given me power to overcome that and I can rule over that. That's in you. Christ gave that to you. It's a free gift for you. He died so that we could have that power. But we rest on the other side and God says, you're missing the primary purpose. I have a plan for your life that you're going to need my grace for. He says, don't let it go to waste. 2 Peter three eighteen, it says, grow in grace and understanding of our Master and Savior, Jesus Christ. In other words, we need God's grace, the empowering presence of the fullness of Jesus Christ, to become more like Jesus Christ so that we can do the things that He's asked us to do in this world that tries to rule over us. He says, no longer will these things rule over you, but now you will rule in life through Christ. And we do that over and over because of God's grace. And when we do that, we can reach out to more people. And we can reach people for Jesus Christ with the good news of Jesus Christ, one relationship at a time. That's God's good news at its very best. It comes through the grace of Jesus Christ, the fullness of God's power in us. Amen. Amen. You can close your Bibles, put away your notes. And we're going to pray for this grace. And I believe this, that every single one of us whether it's in our marriage, our family, in our very own life, many of us have not tapped into the fullness of the power of the presence of God's grace because we've only operated under the grace side that says salvation is for you and it's a free gift and, and that you're covered by my grace so your past is taken care of. And for many of us, maybe it's not necessarily a fault of one person or the other, but maybe we've never heard this before. But now we understand that the fullness of the, of the power of the presence of God's grace is freely available to every single person. I'm going to ask for you to bow your heads for a moment and close your eyes. Lord, I pray for every single person this morning that there's a, there's a struggle that's going to take place because we want to live under the fullness of your grace. But that means we must give up our ungodly lifestyle. That must means we need to give up certain things. 
But you encourage us not to let that grace go to waste. It's a choice that we need to make, and it's up to us. There is no condemnation for anyone who believes in you. But our consciences sometimes will speak to us in a way that helps us understand that life is so much more than being covered under the grace side that says you're covered in your sin and you're covered for salvation. It's now time for us to mature in our belief in you that your grace is the fullness of the empowerment of Jesus Christ. If you're here this morning and you're saying, boy, I want the fullness of the power of the grace of Jesus Christ as a Christian, then I want to live with that kind of power so that I don't have things rule over me, but I rule over it. Not in a condemning way, but in a way that gives me the authority and the power to accomplish everything God made me to accomplish. And if that's you this morning, would you just lift a hand in response to what God is doing? Good. Yeah, many of us. Lord, I lift my hand. Lord, I want that fullness. I don't want to live a mediocre life. I want the fullness of your grace. You put your hands down. How many of you this morning, you may not have a relationship with God. Maybe your relationship with God is, is more like a religion where you felt you had to do certain things. But God is here to tell you that it's more of a relationship. That He wants you to be in a relationship with Him so that you too can experience the fullness of His grace. And if you're here this morning, I'm going to say a prayer. And in fact, we can all say this prayer together. But if you want to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior... You can say this prayer and mean it with all your heart. And here's a prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for dying for me and rising from the grave to give me eternal life. I give you my heart. I believe in you. And I thank you for your amazing grace. In Jesus' name I pray. And with every head bowed and eyes closed, if you said that prayer for the very first time and you gave Jesus your heart, be bold enough to just lift a hand and say, I received Christ this morning. Go ahead, just lift a hand. Good, God sees your hand. God bless you. God bless you. Good, God, back there. God sees your hand. Hold your hands up. God sees your hand. Good, God bless you. God bless you. Right here. Good, back here. God bless you. Right here. God bless you. Good, God bless you in the back. You can put your hands down. Lord, I pray for those that said yes to you this morning. I pray that as they receive not just salvation, forgiveness of sins, but they receive the fullness of the power of Jesus Christ, that they will be able to rule over these things that may take them down rather than have these things rule over them. I pray for your empowering grace in every single person. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. And we all said, Amen.